in, right side, saved by Leonard, rebound, another stop Leonard, puck into the slot, Toffoli shoots, stopped by Robin Leonard, and the rebound goes wide. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Owen Patrick comes in, drops it off, Howden shoots, he scores! The former Ranger! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas. It's Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Wow, that was a pretty emphatic woo. Well, Finley Chevrolet deserves I love Finley Chevrolet. I'm just uh, impressed that you that you had that much energy after last night's <sighs> result. Well, let's be honest. If if my woos went based on overall performance, it would have been a woo. Woo. Yeah. We're going to get into that because there's part of you that has to be really uh, disappointed in the result last night, and then there's part of you that has to go, well, that's a bit of a one-off. Uh, we, we watch teams get hosed at times this year with, uh, with disappointing performances, and can you chalk it up to just that? Uh, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle, I, and, and I'll be curious to chat with Ryan and, and get some interaction through people on, on social media where you are with, with that score last night when you couple it bigger picture two-game trip through Alberta you split one's a shutout one's a uh, not and you saw it in half and just <laughs> on um in, in a sense yeah you do um 82 game schedule we're talking about two games in the middle of February uh two games that were postponed from earlier on in the year back-to-back situation in your first game action in, in six days uh you look at kind of the wonkiness of the schedule over the course of the next three weeks it's um you know it, it's it's certainly there like there's a case to be made for this being just kind of one of those games where the golden knights fall flat and every team at some point in time is going to go through that this season uh the the part that i pumped the brakes on is this was a big game uh, regardless of you know whether or not um, you know the Golden Knights felt good about their game after getting a four nothing shutout against Edmonton. Whether or not um, you know you're you're missing your captain and Mark Stone, which you were. Uh, this is a, an opportunity to make a statement against a team that I expect is going to be right there neck and neck with the Golden Knights in the Pacific Division down the stretch, and to come out flat when it's a, a divisional opponent that is is very good, uh, it, it leaves a lot to be desired there. Flat, you're right about that. And it was the entire team. Nolan Patrick had some mm-hmm. chances, and uh, he's, he was inserted in the lineup when Mark Stone couldn't go. Uh, Shea Theodore had a couple of glimpses. But other than that, it was a really flat performance. And it was right up there with Game 2 against L.A., where you're wondering, going, what, is this is this really the same team that I just watched two nights ago? So that's where, where, I, where I, I write it off as just one of those nights, those odd, weird occurrences. Uh, but, boy, was was Calgary ever good. One thing last night did do uh, is Calgary got the attention of the Pacific Division and the Vegas Golden Knights. 
that's a guarantee mm-hmm. that their their statement game is thrown on way too much. But that was a statement performance uh, by the Calgary Flames to not just win, but win handily and win by uh, a shutout. Uh, the other part of it is there's six days between games for Vegas. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had six days mm-hmm. going into uh, the game against Edmonton, the, the back-to-back. They have six games coming out of it. It's a weird goofy schedule because of uh, this gap that was reserved for the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing. These six days between games before the team regroups at T-Mobile Arena has granted Pete DeBoer some incredible currency. Like, it filled up his wallet with with currency of every denomination. If you want to go Canadian currency, American currency, if you want to go the euro, whatever you want to do. But it, like he's a rich man right now when it comes to his ability to get the players' attention. And you heard some of that after the game last night with, with his evaluation. We're going to play some of the sound uh, it, just because it was, it was as strong as I've heard Pete DeBoer uh, comment after a loss in a long time. This was different than losses earlier in the year when they were just wiped out energy-wise or they had so many players uh, out with injury or COVID and, and players called up and they, they would stub their toe. That, that reaction last night from Pete was very much a coach that is in the camp of disappointed in how the team performed in a significant game in the standings. And how big was it? Because the standings still show a five-point gap uh, for for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, over the Calgary Flames. But in points percentage, Calgary Flames are the first-place team in the Pacific Division right now. It's mm-hmm. It, it yep. was that meaningful of a game. And with with not his A lineup, but certainly a lot closer than we've seen in in the past. Pete DeBoer and his comments last night uh, gave you an idea of how much he put into the the matchup against the Calgary Flames and the significance of a matchup against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, I I love the fact that Pete DeBoer came out flat out and said, "There's no excuse to how we started the game." It, it's uh, we they did they did whatever they wanted to and we didn't put up much of a fight i mean if that's not strong language and and as strong of 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 a heard from Pete DeBoer this year, uh, then I don't know what is. And, and I think that point that you, you hit on, Darren, about it's not necessarily the A lineup. You admit you were without Mark Stone. You still don't have Alec Martinez, um, no Zach Whitecloud. But for this Golden Knights team, who has kind of turned the corner and, and getting it closer and closer to full health and has a lineup that every single night you put out on the ice, it, if you're playing the right way and you've got the energy and you aren't flat, you give yourself a chance to win. Um, you can't make excuses for that anymore. You can't look at injuries. You can't look at COVID. You can't look at any of that stuff. Frankly, last night, the Calgary Flames beat the Golden Knights in every facet of the game, and it wasn't particularly close. And I, I thought it was interesting and refreshing that the first words out of people's mouth last night were no excuses. So let's, because not a lot of people, uh, compared to a normal night, Probably stuck around for the post-game show. I'm a realist. I know that. Yeah. Uh, because of where that game was last night. So if you didn't hear Pete DeBoer uh, on the post-game show, we're going to play you two clips. 
here's the first one, just his evaluation, blunt evaluation of the game. No excuse. Um, you know, we, we, we know they're a quick starting team. Um, we knew they'd be hungry and, and ready to play and treating this as a really important game. You know, so we were prepared for all that. We just, there's no, no excuse for how we started the game. And, you know, the game essentially was over 20 minutes in, unfortunately. He's not wrong on that. Three nothing after the first period, and it was heavily tilted. They got away with a 12 6 shot differential uh, in Edmonton the night before and let it by a couple. Mm-hmm. This was different. Uh, Jacob Markstrom shut down any opportunities they had, and Calgary controlled the level. Now, when Pete was pressed about the the team's uh, performance last night, this is what he followed up with. Well, they did whatever they wanted tonight. Um, you know, we didn't uh, didn't put up much of a fight. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought over the last forty minutes we got a little bit better, but um, you know, hey, they they were they were really good tonight. You know, it, it reminded me a little bit of what we did to them in our building, uh, you know, last time they came through there. So, you know, good hockey team, deep, healthy, you know, a lot of veterans in that lineup, they know how to play and, um, you know, a good lesson for us. Uh, hopefully we, we show up on time next time. So different tact and tone from the head coach. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was not yeah, good I, from the start. I mean, the, the first goal, that they surrendered last night was one of those. Mm-hmm. What's I looked at the at the scoreboard bug to see if Vegas was shorthanded. One Yanmark batted the puck away, so there's a, a bit of not knowing the uh, the situation because he had time to, to settle it down. And then there was the give and go uh, with with Matthew Kachuk, and it, it it was just too easy. And that set the tone for the rest of the night, where it was just too easy. The third goal, uh, now Vegas is on their heels. Uh, they give up the blue line uh, all kinds of time. It, it may look like a, a stoppable shot, but that's a shot from the top of the circles uh, where uh, the goaltender's dealing with the screen. Um, there, there's pro- only one goal where I could say Robin Leonard would, uh, would play it a little differently. Like The goaltending was not the issue last night. And that's the other part where you, you can sometimes chalk it up to ah, a couple of saves here or there. You, you're right in this game. This was one of those team toe stubs. And you, you, that hurts like hell when you stub your toe. We all know that. But you also know, uh, as long as it's not broken, we're going to be okay. And I'll be able to, to, to walk this off. And it's not that bad. But at the time, it hurts. It really did, did hurt last night. And it was disappointing last night. And uh, the the last goal by Kachuk uh, with between the legs, like wide open, nobody knocked him down. Uh, there was no pressure. Uh, it was a beautiful play. It was a, a highly skilled play. It was the only skilled play that he could do, uh, and he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was just it, it was too easy for Calgary last night, and that will be as much as uh, anything is what Pete DeBoer will be upset with. Yeah, you're you're spot on. I thought the the Calgary Flames did a really good job moving through the middle of the ice. They got to the dangerous areas. They were in front of Robin Leonard all night long. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the goals, but you know the second goal of the game, you got Milan Lucic parked in front of Robin Leonard for what seemed like an eternity, and it's a moving screen at the point of release on the shot. I mean, there's really not much you're going to do in that situation. And then the Matthew Kachuk between the legs goal. Uh, I, it's one of those situations where you have to recognize where where that player is, especially Matthew. Kachuk 
Kachuk in front of the net, and you got to eliminate him. You got to take him away. And you know, for the Golden Knights, I think they were just too loose in in their coverage around their own net. They were too loose in the neutral zone. They were pulled off their blue line a little bit too easily. Gaps weren't where they needed to be. And the Calgary Flames just kind of ate, ate them alive last night. I, it's I would a good like lesson. more pushback. I would physically. I would like well, more that, pushback. You, more more after a whistle being being ticked off. I, I would have well, liked I, to I mean, have Darren, seen you, a little bit of that. You could have just had pushback in playing harder in front of your own net. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even need to be scrums after the whistle. Just get a body on somebody in front of the net. It was gone, absent completely from their game last night. It, uh, it And and Milan Lucic is, is a power, power player, and moving him is going to be tough. But if you're going to... Uh, go through the Calgary Flames. You're going to have to uh, find a way to to navigate that. A, a little bit, just uh, of an answer, uh, even if it's if after the whistle. I, I would have liked that. And I'm a chirpy, snippy, pokey, proddy type person. Yeah, we know that's, you're you're okay with goalies getting punched in the head. I, that's yeah. my personality, and uh, mm-hmm. I will come at you, and I'll always want to get the last word. And that's that's what I would have liked to have seen uh, a little bit last night, even if you're down four. Even if you're down five. And by the way, the six nothing goal with their number one power play unit on the ice, don't get me started mm-hmm. on on any unsportsmanlike or Calgary trying to run up the score. <laughs> that that's totally accepted. Uh when when mm-hmm. you consider Calgary was over fourteen in the power play and they're playing again tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs and they're trying to get things going. They haven't had any practice time coming out of the uh the all star break. That's I don't mind. That wasn't a Daryl Sutter coach uh, trying to embarrass anybody. That was just him working with his team, trying to get his team going. So that that some people were sniping about about that part. Don't no. If if you want to if you want to be upset with what, what happened on the ice last night's one of those occasions where you got to be upset with your own team, and it's one of three games this year where I can think of where you go. I'm not very happy with the way my team played. We're really lucky in that regard that that uh, that, that hasn't happened. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we're talking right now in the minutes uh, and hours after what was uh, was a, the worst loss of the season. Yeah, you're you're spot on. I, again, it's it's one of those situations where um, you know what you play till the end of the game, and and for Daryl Sutter, as you mentioned, like. Not a ton of practice time. You want to try to get the power play going in the right direction. You put out your best players. You, you go for uh, you go for it. You try to score, and you try to get your game going for not just the game you're playing tonight, but the game you have tomorrow, and all of these games that are added now to the Calgary Flames schedule that makes it so condensed and how much all these points matter. So I had no issue with it whatsoever. Uh, if you're the Golden Knights and, and you took exception to it, don't let them score. You Kill the penalty. Do... <laughs> Do that. Um, and, you know, for, for fans that are upset about it, it, don't be. Like, don't put yourself in a position where you're down 5 nothing, having to kill a penalty late in the third period. You know who else didn't have a problem with it? Pete DeBoer. No. His quote was, mm-hmm. we got yeah. what we deserved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. I will say, they were so good against Edmonton. So good. And we talked mm-hmm. yesterday, Calgary can score just as much as Edmonton. They, they do it yeah. differently, but they're they're... Their top lines, a little more depth, but uh, their top line can 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 light it up. So you you know that going in. What was different last night compared to the Edmonton game was 
the neutral zone. They were not near as aggressive, not near as locked down uh, in between the blue lines, and that gave Calgary free reign to to gain some momentum. And there was there was rush chances and rush goals that uh, that put that game away. Yeah, you know, and and kind of the the third goal for uh, for Elias Lindholm that that was one of those plays where the Calgary Flames were able to uh, get a puck through the neutral zone, and then it's Brady Kachuk going back against the grain that that opened up some of those lanes and 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 really allowed the Calgary Flames to attack the blue line with speed. I thought tactically through the neutral zone, the Calgary Flames were really really good, and the Golden Knights just didn't make the make adjustments throughout the game and. You know, when you have a team that's that talented off the rush and can score in those situations, um, you have to be dialed in. And, and that's really where the, the the front of the net and the neutral zone is really where the Golden Knights were not sharp enough to win that game last night. We'll say this. It, it's it's not a bad thing to get your attention. It, it's not. Uh, it And it's not a bad thing that you're disappointed in the result last night and the performance. It's not. You're that That's totally loud, and that's... Um, the reality of professional sports. Those players aren't happy either. I, I can I guarantee you that uh, coming off the high of being able to beat Edmonton for nothing. But it does just uh, align things uh, a, a little bit more uh, to the idea that uh, that this is going to be a fight uh, for the rest of the season for first place with the games in hand that Calgary has. Uh, and based on points percentage, they're the first place team right now. Uh, Vegas will will have to respond next week with the uh, Colorado, LA, and the the San Jose games before we get back into the regularly scheduled uh, NHL season. Uh, and it's just um, one of those, uh, those those smelling salts you wave under your nose. That's what that was last night. Not not a wake up call, but just a little. We're cracking the ammonia tablet open and. Well, okay, now we're now we're good, uh, wide open, and and we'll move on and and go. But uh, yet, just just not. It kind of came out of nowhere too, Ryan, because they've been so good, best in the league on back to back nights mm-hmm. uh, in the second mm-hmm. half of back to backs, uh, best road record in the league uh, in the last couple of months, and the best road winning percentage points percentage in VGK history to date. They had everything going in their favor going into last night, except the location of the game in that saddle. <laughs> yeah. the, the Golden Knights have lost four times to the Calgary Flames, all four times in the Olympic saddle dome, and mm-hmm. all four losses have been blowout losses. And it's it's weird. three of the four have been on back-to-back nights, but again, I just said that they've been really good on, on, on the second half of back-to-back nights. It, it just it popped up. Out of nowhere, seemingly, from <laughs> yeah. from the trends that we'd seen going into the game. Well, yeah, it, 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 sometimes things like that just kind of happen. It's been kind of a the entire series between Vegas and Calgary has been a little weird. It's been disjointed. It's been home team centric and a lot of lopsided scores. So you know you kind of factor all of those things in. Uh, for me, like I, you know, again, I, I don't. I don't look at the regular season as the main indicator of what might happen should these two teams meet in the playoffs. And I think you look to last season and the Minnesota Wild as kind of the uh, the reason why I, I firmly believe that uh, a playoff series is very much different than a regular season matchup, especially one in the middle of February. That being said, um, you know, for the Golden Knights, you 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 want to have this taste in your mouth linger 
for that next game against Calgary Flames, and you want to show out a, a, a much better effort and be dialed in and focused and ready to go the next time you play the Calgary Flames because for 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 my money last night, that was the Calgary Flames announcing to uh, the Pacific Division that they are for real, that they are one of, if not the best team in the division, and they're coming for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's what I got out of the Calgary Flames last night. Road team was missing its captain. Uh, what was your take on Borset after the game about Mark Stone? Uh, not terribly optimistic, um, I, but like I think it's fatigue at this point with with injuries, right? Like trying to parse through all the different words. Obviously, uh, people are saying that it, it, it's not a precautionary type of situation. This is a big game. He could not go. Uh, further evaluation worries me a little bit. Um, the The only saving grace right now is that the Golden Knights' schedule in the month of February is incredibly light. So. Uh, Hopefully we get more information on it, but I'm not terribly optimistic that it's going to be uh, a quick situation here for Mark Stone in the, in the Golden Knights. Might be one of those ones that you have to manage, right, throughout the season. Yeah, uh, and Sounds I don't know. Like I don't know much about what uh, what the injury is, other than the the upper body. And uh, we heard earlier this season that uh, his back kind of just locked up on him, but. Well, we'll we'll see how they have to to manage it. Uh, knowing that you have six days off between uh, the next game, uh, they get makes sense if if he's bothered, then you you don't play him last night. And it's it. I think there's there's he couldn't go, but there's also an element of being responsible and and being patient with it at this point of the season. Uh, last night, uh, I I don't know if it was a Stanley Cup playoff game if he would have tried it. But uh, uh, given the fact that he they played the night before, now that, that line hasn't been great, uh, and they mm-hmm. they're they're kind of in a bit of a, a quiet point of the season for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, that'll be an interesting one to watch when this team gets back to uh, to practice and preparing for for next week. Is the status of Mark Stone given the words that uh, that we heard from Pete DeBoer last night. And uh, that, that at this point, uh, we were talking Alec Martinez. We're talking Zach Whitecloud being out with the, the broken foot. Uh, we're talking Jack Eichel. There's three players uh, on their way back uh, to the lineup uh, at, at various timetables. But Mark Stone uh, becomes a, a question mark right now, given the statement and the language that was used last night uh, from, from Pete DeBoer. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Uh, For the second straight day, there's a coaching change in the National Hockey League. And again, it comes from Canada. And this one involves the Edmonton Oilers, who, after going up and down, up and down, have seen enough. The significance of this change should not be lost on you, given who made it in Ken Holland. We'll get into that and our good buddy Gene Principe will join us from Edmonton, the host of the Oilers on Sportsnet, to give us an idea of why they made the switch now, just two games out of the NHL All-Star breaks. The VGK Insider Show covering the Vegas Golden Knights as well as the National Hockey League on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Switch our focus over to the league news. Edmonton Oilers made a coaching change today. Oilers are right now in the fourth position in the wild card race. They are five points behind the Calgary Flames for a postseason position. And after a great start and giving it all back, 
looked like they had things straightened out and then came out of the All-Star break and dropped back-to-back games, one to the Vegas Golden Knights and then last night against the Chicago Blackhawks. And as a result, the coaching change has been made. Dave Tippett is out and uh, Todd Woolcraft is in as for the uh, Edmonton Oilers running their bench. Here's the host of the Edmonton Oilers on Sportsnet, uh, my good buddy, my former roommate, uh, Gene Principe. Uh, I, I talked to you earlier this year and I said, you've earned all that goodwill of, of a great team this year and you've 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 been through all the pain and everything and isn't yeah. it nice to have a team that's going in the right direction and i feel like this is my fault because i jinxed it <laughs> i think it was and yeah. and then vegas uh, ended up handing the oilers that four nothing loss which was uh well not the start but maybe the continuation uh, after the all-star break of of things not going well and then the 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 final nail in the coach's coffin came yesterday when they lost 4-1 to Chicago. Mark Andre Fleury, who your listeners would be very familiar with, uh, had a wonderful game and looked like a Vezina Trophy winner. And the Oilers lost uh, after being down 2-1. They gave up a couple goals uh, in the third, and that was basically after a restless night's sleep for Ken Holland, the president of hockey operations and GM. He woke up this morning and said. I got to do something, and uh, and so he did. And I remember when the Oilers, who had previously beaten Vegas twice, were there in October. Their power play was clicking at like fifty percent. Everything was going great. They were off to a nine and one start. They had a nice uh, boys' weekend. You know the bonding that so many teams haven't been able to do because of the pandemic. And and uh, and then you started talking, and it hasn't yeah. been the same since. Uh, so Jay Woodcroft gets called up, uh, not to be confused with Todd Woodcroft, who I think I called him earlier. Jay Woodcroft gets called up uh, from uh, the American Hockey League. Uh, they, had, they had options. They could uh, try and solve the goaltending, and they could uh, make a coaching change, or they could uh, make uh, bring a player in. They did that. They brought the player in. Uh, like Kenny Holland, this is the first time in his career that he's made a midseason yeah. coaching change so that it's not lost on me how how much he didn't want oh. to do this with dave tippett oh yeah you're right darren it's a great point this you know because the orders have, have uh, you know for your listeners that have followed the orders prior to vegas getting into uh the national hockey league uh, edmonton has had a run of uh, quite a few coaches and so sometimes it's kind of the the easy, you know, pull the lever, get rid of the coach, and on we go. But this was not. I mean, Ken has been in in the management business for well, like uh, thirty plus years. He's been a, a GM for more than twenty plus years, and this is the first time he's ever ever uh, rid himself of a coach during a season. So he did not um, uh, tread lightly on this topic in that. He just he kept waiting and hoping, and he, you know he said today he said, uh, you know I felt like if I waited ten more games it might be too late and the season might be might be gone and we can't can't make up those points and so uh, you know he was quite quite to the point and and nowadays as so many of us we text he texted Dave Tippett this morning and said you know we got to get together and Dave doesn't need a roadmap at this point he understands right. what's going to happen unfortunately. Um, and they go to a guy who who has uh, previously worked for Ken in Detroit as a video coach, uh, has been an assistant coach at the NHL level, but went backwards to move forwards. I guess by going, I, I wouldn't say backwards, but to to the American Hockey League to be a head coach, so that he eventually could circle back and be a head coach in the NHL. And and the time, you know, the time has come. It, it, you know, it's 
it's been a crazy season and a quote Ken Holland because Edmonton was, you know, nine and one, then sixteen and five, then lost seven in a row, then won two, then lost six in a row, then were five oh and one, now I've lost two in a row. And I, my point is that he said our season's been like a toilet seat up and down. And he you know, he could never quite and, and basically he doesn't want to flush it down the toilet now. And so he decided that I better make this move, better get this coach in, new voice, some new systems or tinkering, and let's see where it takes us. Uh, toilet references. Uh, yeah, we got <laughs> we got to plug that uh, now and and, and and stop that. Uh, this this I'm talking to the king of puns, by the way, in in Eugene Prince Bay, who joined us uh, on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. So Eugene, when you look at the, just the the acknowledgement of a new coach. This is now four coaches in seven seasons for Connor McDavid. Like, how, how do you establish yeah. uh, some some long standing continuity beyond this for the core yeah. of the Edmonton Oilers? Well, you know, Ryan. Every time, you know, every time a new coach is hired, and Dave's been here almost three seasons, so it isn't, a, you know, just a, a a quick spin around the carousel, but. When you, when you keep going back, and I think if you go to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who, like Connor McDavid, was the first overall pick in 2011, I think he's on his ninth coach. Um, some have been really short interims, and so it, the number is a, a, a bit deceiving. But um, you're right. How do you get continuity? But then uh, if you're not winning, then you have to try and do something. So, And Ken Holland was clear today. He said, you know, I expected that at the end of the season, I was going to be signing Dave Tippett to a contract extension, maybe a couple more years, and Jay Woodcroft would spend some more time in the minors, and he'd either end up with us or possibly with another team. This is not what I had planned. And so, and, and everyone says that because it's true, Ryan. You, when you're hiring a coach, you're, you're not already thinking, when am I going to fire this guy? But it's just been the way it's been, and it's a, it's a vicious cycle that everyone wants to stop and to have a coach here for nine years or something like that, but they can't, they can't get there. And so you have to find someone new. Now I will say that Jay spent uh, a handful of years with the orders as an assistant coach. So many of the players he knows, and they're familiar with him. He spent training camp up here before they break and go to the American hockey league. So uh, there, there is some, some continuity compared to just someone right from the outside. They did consider Glenn Gullitson, who previously has been a head coach and is an assistant. Uh, that would have been, I guess, like purely the easiest. Uh, but he decided to go with someone who he feels like has earned it. And so now we wait to see, and we don't have to wait very long because they play Friday night against the Islanders at home. Yeah, Gullitson, I thought, might get more of a look because he filled in for Tip when Tip had COVID, and they played really well. And I know from inside the organization that they were impressed with a couple of things that that Glenn did, uh, former Las Vegas Wrangler, so people very familiar uh, with him. So uh, that's uh, that's the tie-in on on that side. Uh, I'm just like, the the first period against Vegas, they were great. Uh, We're down, but they controlled the game. Last night, they hit three posts and were great early. And and it didn't go for them. Uh, so is this just bad luck? Is this just uh, what was me? Is this tactical? Um, I I don't know what it is because I really I like their team. Yeah, I, I do too. And and uh, and I think that you know Laurent Bersois, who was a bit of a surprise starter, came out and you know uh, was fantastic, especially early on. And the Oilers didn't 
you know, they didn't. It's kind of like they're not playing that bad, but they're not playing that good. Right. So they're they're kind of caught in this area where they're not playing quite good enough to to win more often, but they're not playing that bad where they're getting you know shelled all the time. And you're thinking, well, we got to do something. You know, back to back, one current Vegas goalie and one former Vegas goalie were really good, and but you know they got to find ways to win, as they say, and they haven't been able to. Uh, the power play hasn't been what it used to be. They're finding themselves, I think there might be a game ahead of Seattle for times where the opposition has scored first. Uh, they might be, Darren, I think at like 33 out of 43 or four games. So wow. 75% of the time they're down in a game. And lately they've been down not only one nothing but 2 nothing, which is double the problem. So I, I think that Ken just saw some things that eventually he said, I don't know if we're going to get these fixed with what we have in place. So I've, I've got to do something, and he did. Uh, and now we wait to see how, you know, uh, for for fans of the Pacific Division, you you guys have seen, uh, you know, Bruce Boudreau showed up in, in Vancouver, and wow, you know, they were, I think, seven in a row and eight in a row and one, and now they've sort of fallen back sort of a little bit more normally. But I'm sure the Oilers are hoping they can get a real bump here, and and apart from making a move before the trade deadline, it's now been pushed, you know, that it's pushed back onto the players. We got your coach or we got a coach, a different coach. I've made that decision. And now I want to see you guys uh, respond accordingly. And and we'll see if that can get done. It always amazes me how one person, uh, one maybe different voice can make that much of a difference, but it's, it happens a lot in sports. It's not often that it goes the other way where you bring in a new coach and it doesn't go well right off the bat. It usually does go well. And then it's about sustaining it. So we'll have to wait to see. All-star break was poorly timed for the Edmonton Oilers. We chat with Gene Prince Bay, the uh, host of the Oilers on Sportsnet uh, on the BGK Insider show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, oftentimes in these situations when you have such offensively gifted players like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, the narrative at some point shifts to they need to change the way that they play. More focus, more emphasis on the defensive yeah. side of the puck. You need more buy-in there. Uh, do you do you get the sense or do you feel like that change might be on the horizon for McDavid or Dre- and Dreisaitl? Or do you just lean into what these guys do better than anyone else in the league and that's put points up? Yeah, I, I, I would. I my choice is number two. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would put on. I, I, I'm not sure you can put on a guy who just plays defensively on on a wing or both their wings if they're on different lines. But I mean, I'd, I'd be the last one to harness a thoroughbred like a, a McDavid or a Drysaddle, and and they have improved their their defensive play. Are they more likely to win the Art Ross than the Selkie? For sure, or the heart, absolutely. But you know, they understand that they, you know, this isn't the 1980s, and you do have to play some some defense. And and I don't I don't see that being a, to be honest with you, a, a problem. They have developed. Listen, when you're 18 and 25, you do things differently, uh, not only at the rink but in life. And so that's where they're at. And that's I think that's all cool to be honest with you, Ryan. Um, it's just a matter of the fact that they lost their number one goalie. For much of the season, I think Mike has played eight out of 44 games. Yeah. Um, so they've relied on other goalies. Uh, who's to say what the season would have been like if their number one was was healthy? 
Uh, but we, you know, we'll never know. And, you know, I, I, they, they were so hot to start, not just the team, but I mean, McDavid and Dreisa were putting up ridiculous numbers in comparisons to Gretzky and uh, Lemieux and, and Yager. I mean, it seemed like every night they were doing something either individually or as a team. And then that, that kind of stopped. And now, you know, they're scoring a point a game or a goal a game. They're basically at that point, which is, you know, not what we expect from them, not what they expect from themselves. So I see that changing. I think that they'll they'll start to not put up three or four points a night, but maybe more often two points a night, which goes a long way to helping the Oilers. But in the end, that they will have to shore up defensively whomever's in net, who's ever on the blue line and up front as a unit, uh, just to kind of keep a few more pucks out of their net and try and put a few more in the other net. Was last night the first in 19 games for Leon Dreisaitl with a power play goal? Did I hear that yeah. right? Yeah, no, you heard right. I mean, he, he was, and he, and he still, as of uh, action starting tonight, tied for the league leading goals with Chris Kreider. They're both at 33. I mean, he's still on pace to have, like, high 50s. But, yeah, he went a long time, and they just couldn't. I mean, the power play as of last night, I think, was still around 28%, which was third in the NHL. Yeah. But they really were at 50%, which you know, was is absolutely amazing. So still at a good number, but Darren, that's a that's an exemplary stat of, of where the man advantage has gone and right. how many games early in the season they won through their play on the power play. Before we let you go, um where uh where were you? Were you surprised or yeah, I was at home and I I didn't think I, I kind of thought Let's see what happens Friday night because mm-hmm. if they lose this homestand and get swept, and and Vegas division leader, that's one thing. Chicago uh, struggling towards the bottom of the Western Conference. The Islanders hovering around sort of the NHL 500. I thought, you know, if if they lose another one to New York and it's a four nothing or five one or something like that, then I, I'm going to heavily be on standby. I was. Uh, not shocked, but a little surprised today's the day. But I guess Ken felt like he just he just couldn't wait any longer. And you know he didn't want to do it, but I think in the end he felt he had to do it. I retweeted John Shannon. He said five of the seven Canadian teams have made a coaching change yeah. in it, the last it's year. It's crazy. It's, yeah, is, is that... it's been, uh, I mean, seven teams and they've changed five coaches. I was going through it today and I saw John's tweet. I get to work with John uh, coming up next month and, and I, I couldn't believe it, but then when you start doing the numbers, that's where they're at. So uh, it's been a crazy coaching Canadian carousel between Montreal uh, yesterday and Edmonton today. Uh, wild. Uh, thanks for uh, bringing us up to date on things. Uh, say hello to our good friend Glenn Gullitson uh, as the I Las will. Vegas uh, hockey alumni. And uh, appreciate uh, your insight into a really fascinating story that will affect the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and uh, you're, you're just awesome in general. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a great night, guys. Be good. There's uh, Gene Principe, Eugene Principe, uh, host of the Oilers on Sportsnet. I like their team. I really mm-hmm. like their team, and I think it's as mm-hmm. good as it's been in a long time. And Mike Smith wasn't at fault last night, certainly, uh, in this. They, they hit posts and had chances and didn't weren't able to finish in times. I thought they were pretty good last night. 
And I'm, I'm surprised that, that he made the coaching change, uh, Kenny Holland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am too. Not so much uh, because of how they played, but this is just not something Ken Holland does, right? Like, he, he's never done it before, and I really didn't expect that it would be the case. I thought you go out there, you maybe continue to tinker around a little bit with the with the lineup. You, you try to make some moves. You try to make some deals. Um, but, you know, right now, as far as the Edmonton Oilers go, every loss is pushing them further and further back, and this is a team that, that should make make the playoffs. As much as I am, Calgary is better than Edmonton, as much as I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think it's it's by a lot, uh, I still look at the Edmonton Oilers as a team that should be in the playoffs. When you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, you shouldn't miss the playoffs. So you're running out of time to to right the ship here. So you had to make some type of move. Yeah. The desperate move was bringing in Evander Kane. I didn't see a coaching change. If you were going to make a coaching change, I would have thought it would mm-hmm. have occurred before Kane. When Kane was brought in, like that that ruffles some feathers. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not as much inside the organization or inside the dressing room as as we assume, but that's a that's a gamble. So you go to that extent, that's where I saw the reach. And I thought Dave Dave Tippett's safe now. And maybe they do yeah. bring in some some uh stability and goal. Uh, on the back end of the season. I still think that could happen. Uh, but this, quite honestly, what we've witnessed in Edmonton, that this is more on the players. And is it unfair to expect Connor and, and Leon to be a point and a half guys uh, per game? Yeah. But that that was the difference between when they were winning and and, and now. And they gotta, they got to crank up the game. I don't know whether Jay Woodcroft, who's first-time National Hockey League head coach, whether that's the answer, whether you you prefer to go somewhere with a, with a little more coaching resume. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting, fascinating situation for a team that was first in the National Hockey League in early December and looked almost unstoppable and now becomes... Uh, another one of those clubs that makes the dramatic decision to make a coaching change. You know, it's interesting because I I think it's tough to ask Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to perform at two and a half to three points per game clip. But when you're, you're kind of building a team around that type of production, you need that type of production. So everyone within the organization, and I think you're, you're right on the money. Uh, Every player in that locker room has to take a look at themselves and realize that they need to be a part of what changes and how this team puts it all together. Because until that happens, uh, it doesn't really matter what else goes on. You, you're you got to find a winning combination within that locker room, and it's on the players to lead by example, especially McDavid and Drysidle. Drysidle, one power play goal in 19 games. It's staggering. I was shocked yeah, that's at, crazy. At, at that. And, yeah, unrealistic to expect McDavid and Dreisaitl to continue that pace. But here's the reality. If they don't, they don't win. And I don't know what tactical changes they can do. I'm with Eugene, and you, you, you can't hold back those two. And, no, I agree. And now you've made, you made the, the, the acquisition of Evander Kane. Maybe a different voice does, does change things. And I know that they were impressed with, with what – Glenn Gullitson did 
in that time. But that's that's a team that's that's mystifying right now. How you go from so good to so bad, and then now somewhere in the middle, which is lost, it's puzzling. And yet, there's still so much runway left that they can easily salvage the season. Uh, this Vegas Golden Knight fans, keep an eye on this. Just to, just to, because I don't know. It's one of those ones where if they make a change in goal or make a change in coach, uh, it, it's going to directly impact who the Vegas Golden Knights play in the playoffs. If if nothing else, you, you might get you might get the Edmonton Oilers themselves. Uh, that's the story. Uh, thanks to Gene Prince Bay for stopping by. When we continue, it's the play of the day. And then in hour number two, we will get into one-timers, news notes from there on the National Hockey League. And we, we also have our ratings from last night, which could be uh, the quickest rating session in VGK Insider Show history. Uh, the play of the day is coming up next, uh, an Olympic edition on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, coming out of the All-Star break, you expect some wonky performances. There's a couple of 2-on-0s in the Edmonton game against Vegas. There's a 2-on-0 last night that I watched. I don't know media members were going to follow the same tack. <laughs> Twitter feuds in the last couple of days that were bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It it uh, it, it was interesting. Uh, there was back and forth with EJ Raddick uh, from NHL Network and Frank Saravelli with Daily Faceoff and Anson Carter um, from uh, TNT and uh, Michael Russo, beat writer for the Minnesota yeah. Wild. So it, it's been an intriguing. 24, 36 hours in uh, hockey Twitter, that's for sure. I was on EJ's side, although he did clarify what he meant, and uh, I'm glad that he did that. I was on EJ's mm-hmm. side of that. Uh, and uh, giving <laughs> Anson Carter, don't give them the stage. That that national stage is yours. Don't, mm-hmm. don't bring that into it. And he'll learn from that. Sure. Just weird fighting on Twitter. Who fights on Twitter? A lot of people. Like, what do you get out of fighting on Twitter? I don't do it anymore. Actually, I wasn't even meeting you, but yeah, you used to do it. Mm. Damien Cox, I mean, my like, buddy Damien, used to do it all the time. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's every now and again where I will, uh, I'll, I'll subtweet something and and just to be kind of a jerk about it, but uh, it's fewer and far between, and, and my uh, my my blood pressure is. is if somebody's rude that, to me, I'll sure. like I'll go back at him with something chirpy, but mm-hmm. or you just block them. Eh, block one person. You're I'll quick to them. do that, aren't you? No, no, I I, I don't block. I, I mute. And oh, they okay. never never know. Here's the play of the day. <laughs> Hold on, which yeah. uh, which is not the Olympic uh, play of the day, but I do want to mention that Brendan Bersan scored. For Team USA, mm-hmm. first goal of the Olympics in Beijing, uh, but because of restrictions and uh, IOC and uh, and Olympic rights, uh, the the play is actually just a little bit too long for us to run without uh, without Chapman losing his job over it. And I don't want Chapman to lose his job over this. So uh, we're gonna. I uh, just wanted to mention that Brennan Brassant, uh, draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights, scored for Team USA in a convincing victory to open up the Olympic hockey tournament. But the play of the day goes back to last night in Calgary, and even though this is a goal against Vegas, it was a spectacular 
effort by one Matthew Kachuk. Theodore back to defend. Goudreau peels away. Dishes left. Zadorov closing in. Theodore blocks a centering pass, and it goes behind. Now between the legs, a finish for Kachuk. Wow. Kachuk straddling the right goal line. Took the puck from the trapezoid, and the lefty flips it in between his own legs. 5-0 Calgary. Uh, that was the only play that he had. That wasn't mm-hmm. a show-off yeah. move. That was just adjusting to the the play. That was a, that was an outstanding performance by Matthew Kachuk, and you just see that that great. He wasn't even annoying last night. That's the part that got me. <laughs> he was just really good. Normally, Matthew can yeah. be uh, to to mix in a little bit of sandpaper uh, with his with his skill level. Uh, he he left the sandpaper at home. Yeah, one hundred percent. He was effective last night and frustrating last night by just being incredibly good. And, you know, when, when you don't have to play on that edge and you're able to just let your talent and your skills speak for themselves, uh, you, you end up with a, a really big night if you're Matthew Kachuk in the Calgary Flames. We'll get back to uh, Vegas School tonight plays in the play of the day uh, when we get uh, into the schedule next week on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Up next, uh, our ratings for last night's game against the Calgary Flames. A little bit more about uh, uh, our breakdown on the performance of the trip through Alberta. And then we've got one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League, and there's a whole lot of things to talk about. And maybe even Ryan getting into a fight on Twitter. I'm, I'm sure people are chirping and now going, knowing they can get under his skin. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Chirp, chirp.